Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hi, welcome to the Compared to Who podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I am so glad that you're listening today. So today's topic is kind of heavy, but don't let that scare you off. <laughs> Literally, don't let that scare you off because today we're going to talk about fear. Now, fear is something that's been really heavy on my heart and mind really for over a year now. And the strange thing is when I first started to record this podcast back in July, I had something kind of scary happen. I was actually midway through recording the first episode and my cell phone rang. It was my dad telling me that he had found my mom um, stuck on the bathroom floor. She had had what looked like some sort of seizure stroke. And eventually we found out she had a heart attack, a seizure and a stroke all at once because I come from a family of overachievers like that. And that was late July. And so as you can imagine, um, things kind of got turned upside down to make matters even more complicated. We were scheduled to move two weeks later. So my husband Ben had already started work at his new job here in Austin, and I was still in Dallas uh, with the kids waiting to sell our home and really getting us ready to move. I kind of turned my life upside down for a little bit. Now, praise God, he's done an amazing work in my mom's health, and she's doing okay right now, uh, much better than to be expected after all she's gone through. But friends, that scared me. And I don't know if you've gone through that with uh, loved ones, uh, you know, family, friends yet or not, but it's, it's scary. And then I started recording again this fall and my father-in-law was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Friends, there are so many things all around us that can make us feel afraid. Some of those things are external things, fear of circumstances. Maybe you're afraid of something going on at your job, afraid of what your bank account looks like, afraid uh, in a relationship. And then there's also things that make us afraid on the inside. I know even recording this podcast, I am fearful of what will you think? Will I say? something corny? Will I misspeak? Will you not like me anymore? You know, all of those issues are things that we struggle with, right? And the more I think about fear, the more I've come to realize that fear is central to all of our body image and comparison issues. It really is. So now let me tell you something even crazier. I have already recorded a podcast episode on fear and somehow my old reliable Apple computer deleted it. In fact, I went to prepare it to uh, release with my initial uh, four podcasts a couple weeks ago and it was gone. The file vanished. But today I had the opportunity to spend a whole day in prayer and teaching on the topic of, yep, you guessed it, fear. And now I realize, wow, I am so glad 
<laughs> that my computer deleted that file. I do not think that was a coincidence because what I have for you today is really exciting and just, I think, a lot more informative than even that initial podcast that I had recorded on this topic of fear. So let's just back up a minute. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, I really hope that you'll go back and listen, especially to podcast episodes one and two, where we talk about what body image idolatry is and where I share a little bit of my story because I want you to be on the same page when we talk about that issue. In those episodes, we talked about the root of body image idolatry, which is really believing that a better body or being prettier or being thinner would somehow save us. But what's really central to Every single idolatry issue we face, no matter what your idol is, if it's if it's money, uh, maybe it's it's finding a husband, friends. If you're not married, maybe you've made an idol out of finding a man. It can be your body image. It can be comparison. It, it can really be anything. But central to every idolatry issue is fear. Now, think with me for a minute about the Israelites. If you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, um, the Israelites had been led out of Egypt by Moses, right? And and it was <laughs> it was a bad situation for them in, in Egypt. And Moses led them out after Pharaoh experienced the plagues and, and finally let them go. And then they had this dramatic crossing of the Red Sea where Pharaoh chased them into the sea and a sea that had opened up and split so they could literally walk right through the sea, then closed up and swallowed all of their pursuers. And it was, it was an amazing, amazing thing that God did for them. And we would think that like, if God did something that amazing in my life, then surely I would only ever after always worship that amazing God, right? But the Israelites, some of you know this story, the Israelites uh, well, you know, they decided they needed to make a golden idol to worship. Now, <laughs> if you're like me, I'll just I'll just claim this for myself. So I used to have a chronological snobbery. Okay, I think that's a C.S. Lewis term. But I used to assume that people in the Old Testament were just not as bright as we are today. And that's why when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, he was getting the Ten Commandments and he was gone a little too long. All of the Israelites decided they would create a golden calf. It's excellent. It is 32. <laughs> and you know, when you read that, you think that's stupid. But here's the deal, friends. They were scared. They thought Moses, their leader, was gone forever. And the first thing they did was they took all their jewelry and made an idol. Fear drove them to that idol. And isn't it funny how when we feel afraid, what's the first thing that we do sometimes? We create an idol, right? We turn to something else to save us. I used to think about this and I used to think it's so stupid. How could anyone worship a calf? And it was a few years ago, my son, uh, we were driving somewhere and my son, he's 12 now. He likes to be quite the intellectual sometimes. And he's just all of a sudden is like, mom, so like, tell me about this calf thing. Like how dumb were these Israelite people that they would worship a calf? And you know, when he asked me that question, that's the first time I had ever thought about how often I actually worship calves too. And sometimes literal calves. Like I remember this was, this is going to date me friends, but this was like late eighties, early nineties. I remember there was a guy named Tony Little. I think he's still around, but he had an infomercial for his um, videotape, his targeted training video series. And he's a blonde ponytail and he had all these little, oh, I'm going to call him corny, all these little things he would say as you were doing his exercises. And one of the things he would say is he had these three specific exercises you had to do for your calves and that was to get them to be heart shaped and I just remember thinking 
I didn't know I needed to worry about having heart-shaped calves. Like I knew there were other parts of my body that I needed to like make look a certain way, but that was the first time it was ever planted in my head that I needed a certain shape of calves. And I would say after that point, I started thinking more about how I could get those heart-shaped calves. And you know, it's funny, a lot of my body image issues I now understand were misplaced worship issues. I gave having a culturally beautiful body too important of a place in my heart and mind. My goals, my objectives were all to be more beautiful, to look better because I thought that that would save me. So back to fear. Why do we struggle with body image? Why do we wrestle with comparing ourselves to others? Friends, I think if we're honest, it's because we are afraid. So see if any of these statements resonate with you. I've been afraid that others won't think I'm pretty. I've been afraid that I'll be rejected for the way I look. I've been afraid I'll never find a man. I've been afraid that my man won't stay with me if I don't look like I used to look. I've been afraid that my man will find someone who looks better. I've been afraid that others will mock me or are mocking me. I've been afraid others won't accept me. I've been afraid I'm not enough. You know, we say that a lot, right? In Christian circles, that not enough thing. Sometimes we hear the answer to that, like, no, remember, you are enough. And other times we hear it with the disclaimer, you are only enough through Jesus. I kind of like that one better. But, but friends, still, I wonder, I think at the deepest level, is our fear really whether or not we are enough? Or is our fear whether or not God is enough? I'm going to say that one more time, just in case you're driving and, you know, you missed it. But are we really afraid that we're not enough or are we more afraid that God isn't enough? And and truthfully, isn't that why we create idols just like the Israelites did? If I could truly trust that God is enough to satisfy my every need, would I need to worry about whether or not I'll be hot enough to find love, attention, or friends? If I truly believed that God was enough and that his opinion of me was all that mattered, Would I stress over whether or not others will or do accept me? Friends, it's all fear. So last year, I walked through a really horrible season. There was some conflict in our church. Sadly, things turned very messy. And when you're the pastor's wife, this can be a really challenging thing to navigate. Mostly because you have a lot of information, but you can't necessarily share everything you know. And it's a lot like being a witness to a crime and then watching the trial play out and not being able to testify. I had to keep my mouth shut a lot. And I wasn't always good at that. In fact, honestly, I said too much in some cases trying to defend myself. And God quickly showed me how futile that is. And honestly, it backfired. But friends, I have learned that you can do everything possible to try to have others think well of you. And at the end of the day, you can't control what other people think of you, period. Through this time, I lost friends. Because we live in a crazy era where social media magnifies our every relational issue. I knew I had lost friends. Friends who didn't even know my side of the story. Some whom I had seen come to faith in our church even. And it hurt. It hurt to lose those relationships. But more so... It hurt to feel like there were people out there who didn't approve of me. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling or not. It's funny because God has taken me on such a long journey with my body image issues. Really, where I thought I was free in every area. But then last year, he showed me how I still have progress to make because I still struggle with approval. And it's really an approval idol. I believe that I need everyone to approve of me. Maybe you can relate. 
But that need for approval, that's just fear. It's fear of man or fear of woman. It's fear that without someone's approval, you won't make it. In some cases, we can get serious anxiety over this approval. It becomes our oxygen, and we feel like with that, it will suffocate and die. We decide that maybe we're bad or worthless or wrong if someone doesn't approve. Again, though, friends, that's just like fear. And like that awesome Zach Williams song, it's on the radio, Fear is a Liar. It's just a lie. You can live without the approval of others. It's irrational thinking to decide that just because someone doesn't like you or agree with you, that you are the bad one. Now, likewise, you don't get to decide that they're the bad one either. Extend grace, even when others don't extend grace to you. That's your free tip of the day. I was on a call a few months ago with an author named Susie Larson. She's incredible. She's written a number of great books. You should read them all. Um, But she said this. She said, be content to be misunderstood. And at the time, that was really powerful for me because I know that a lot of what I walked through last year was people misunderstanding and misinterpreting me. But though I tried, friends, trust me, I tried, there was nothing I could do to change that. And in a way, this was probably God's grace to me, grace to show me that I'm not in control and that his approval is the only approval I need and the approval that I need to seek above all else, that I can be okay without anyone's approval but his. But how often do we get this messed up? We want everyone else's approval first, and then we seek God's. I've been guilty. Maybe you have too. When we come back, we're going to talk more about that approval idol, how we can defeat fear in our lives. And make sure you stay tuned to the end because we're going to pray a prayer to find new freedom from fear in our lives. Would you like that? I know I need that. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. body image been bogging you down for too long, it's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparetohu.me, take your free body image awareness quiz, you will learn amazing things, you'll get your results right away, and I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparetohu.me, there's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison, and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. 
So a funny thing happened to me a few weekends ago. Okay, it's not really funny. It actually was disturbing and it frustrated me a whole lot. But we were at my middle son's soccer tournament. It was our fourth game of the weekend. He was invited to play with a new team just for this tournament. So we didn't really know anyone there. At the last game of the weekend, the championship game, we set up our chairs and a woman came up and asked me to move because we weren't on their team and their team sat there. I was a little dumbfounded and said something about we were just here for the tournament. And this woman persisted, insisting that we needed to move our chairs because her team sat in that spot and our team needed to sit on the other side of the midfield line. Well, I looked down the line and I didn't see any open spots. So I tried graciously to tell her there was nowhere to sit down there. So we were just going to stay put, but she would not be deterred. She told me I had to move. It was league rules. And I told her there wasn't any other option. So she huffed and I rolled and again told me I was breaking league rules. And friends, this is one of those situations where you spend the next hour of your life thinking of all the clever things you could have said or the ways you could have reacted, but you didn't at the time because you were so dumbfounded that you're involved with a crazy conversation with a soccer seating Nazi. (laughs) So, well, eventually some spaces opened up and I was happy for us to move down to them because I had no desire to hear her complain about how we were in the wrong seats the entire game, but it still bothered me for way too long. Now, my husband was like, you just need to forget about it. But here's what I'm thinking. In retrospect, it's hard for me to let this kind of thing go because of, number one, my approval idol. It kind of bothered me that I was doing something wrong in the eyes of this woman. I wish I had the confidence to just smile and ignore her and remain in our original seats, but I did not. (laughs) And second, now a few weeks later, I'm trying to process things from her side. And I see that I was really just dealing with a control freak, right? Like, why was it so important for her that we move? I think because she was afraid, and hear the word fear in there, she was afraid that her friends from her own team wouldn't be able to sit all around her. And her game-watching experience or expectations would not be met. It was kind of like that feeling we've all had at one point or another, where you arrive early somewhere and you just kind of have to take a gamble on, like, sitting at a table and you hope that the fun people come and sit down with you. But instead, maybe the those people that you didn't really want to sit with are the ones who come filling in the chairs at your table and then you're trapped. Like you can't get up and move without looking mean or rude and yet now you know you're going to be stuck in conversations you'd rather not be a part of and you find yourself disappointed that the lunch or event won't be as fun as you'd hope because of where you're sitting. So I guess in a way we've all been there. But control, let, let's explore that just for a second. Control is a very close cousin to fear and has a strong correlation with our body image and comparison struggles. Like did you know that a lot of eating disorder issues are actually about control? You know, likewise, a lot of pornography issues also have a root of control. Worrying about making mistakes, perfectionism, worrying about everything going exactly how we want it to go, making sure that everything surrounding us is precisely how we want it to be. All these control issues, they also have a root of fear. Now, I'm a recovering control freak, recovering perfectionist, and many of the women I work with to find hope and healing for their body image issues are also just the same. And I spent decades trying to control my body. (laughs) I found out it didn't work. In fact, trying to manipulate my body to do exactly what I wanted to do and exactly how I wanted to look has ironically like led to what I believe now as a a result of my dieting and autoimmune disease um, that makes it almost impossible for me to control my weight anymore. But there's a verse in the Bible, 1 John 4, 18, and talks about perfect love casting out all fear. And I think for too long, I read that verse backwards. Like I believe that perfection is what would cast out fear and bring love. Like if I did everything perfectly, then how could anyone think anything but good thoughts about me? How could they not love me? 
if I was perfect. You see, those of us who struggle with perfectionism and control issues, we want everything to be just so because we're afraid of what will happen if it's not. We're afraid of what you'll think about us, what you'll say about us, how you'll feel about us. In some cases, we're afraid of what we'll think about ourselves and how we'll feel about ourselves if things don't go exactly as planned. And it's bondage. It's bondage to fear. And there's no grace there, friends. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to find ourselves in situations where we have no control over the outcome. We're all going to fall short. And unless we acknowledge that only Jesus is perfect and only his perfect love can cure us of our fear, we're going to stay stuck. Love cures fear. And that's important because like this fear thing, it's real. Like, did you know that there are more young people who are afraid of, of being fat than anything else? Like literally they polled people and they asked them which they were more afraid of, losing their parents, cancer, zombie apocalypse. 81% of 10 year olds say that being fat is their number one fear. So fear as it relates to our body image issues, it starts really young and it just seems to grow from there. Like I shared in episode one, my body image issues started for me with the fear that my legs were bigger than the legs of the other girls. And it grew from there. It took one of fear's little lies to keep me trapped in body image bondage for decades. So how do we combat fear? First, we have to unveil the lie or like the training I went to today termed it identify the lie. But here's the thing, okay? And you know this if you spend any time at all in in the church or reading the word of God, but the devil is a liar, right? And he tries to present in a way where we think his lies are true and they're really big and they're really scary. But we know who wins the battle. We know that Jesus has given us victory and we know that he's a liar and he's not really very creative. You know, like I I mentioned a couple seconds ago, the lie that I heard was that my legs were too big and that's what started me down the road of body image issues. But it has been crazy the number of women who have written me and told me that they had that exact same lie that they heard about the same time I did sometime in elementary school. Okay, so he's not very creative. He lies to us all in very similar ways, but he is persistent. He keeps feeding us those same lies over and over again until sometimes we give in and believe them until we learn how to fight. And that's what we're going to talk about at the end of this episode. So don't leave me yet. Let's go back to this fear of being fat thing, though, that plagues 10-year-olds and I would say uh, 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 30-year-olds and women and men of every age. Why do we wrestle with that fear? Well, I think the underlying challenge there is that we believe the liar culture tells us which is that being fat negates our value. Now let's stop for just a second and think about why culture tells us that. Well, it's not really culture telling us that. I'm going to say it's marketers telling us that. And if you just like back up a second and think about it, marketing makes their money because of fear, right? What drives us to buy what we buy, to do what we do? In a lot of cases, those decisions are based in fear. Like I buy the jeans that have the tummy control panel because I believe that I am supposed to have a flat stomach in order to be more loved and accepted. We're told constantly that we need something newer, something better. We need to look better. We need to look younger. We need things, products, clothing, you name it. We need all of this because the marketers are telling us that we should be afraid of what will happen if we don't have what they're selling. So when you kind of unveil the lie, which is where we started. Look at what this fear is all about. First of all, the enemy's a liar 
And that's what he does. He lies to us. And then on top of that, we're hearing lies all around us about where our value and identity and worth should come from. And the truth is, our value, worth, and identity shouldn't have anything to do with our weight, size, or shape. Okay, so number one was unveil the lie. Number two is you need to look at the consequences of the lie in your life. And friends, I've written similar things about this in my blog, but today I want to give credit to a ministry called Freedom in Christ. A man named Neil Anderson runs this ministry. You can find out more information about it in the show notes. I'll put a link, Um, but they've got great resources. And if you're something you struggle with, go to this ministry, look their stuff up, read Neil Anderson's books. I think it'll really help you. But look at the consequences of the fear in your life. So for me, my fear led me to chronic dieting, eating disorder, um, stuff where I would go for long periods of time without eating, and then I would binge eat and do all kinds of crazy unhealthy things to my body in an effort to make it look a certain way. And the real motivator there was fear. I was afraid of what others thought of me. Would I ever get married if I didn't look a certain way? Would I ever be loved and accepted if I didn't look a certain way? So you have to look at what this fear, whatever fear it is you're dealing with, what this fear is doing to your life. And then finally, you have to confess that it's fear. And, and really fill that fear with something else. You can't just take the fear away. You have to fill it with the truth. So when it comes to your body image, here's what that would look like. So the truth is, I'm not good enough on my own, but Jesus died to save me and that gives me incomparable value. Or here's another one. The truth is everyone feels uncertain at times, but when I let the Holy Spirit lead and guide my decisions, I can walk in confidence. Confidence that transcends my human abilities. Or how about another one? Truth is, God told us to fear not over and again through the Bible because fear is the opposite of faith. It cripples, it destroys, and it hinders our ability to be effective messengers of the love of Jesus. Fear is, like that Zach Williams song, a liar. So he needs to be unmasked. And you have to replace those lies that fear feeds us with the truth. Just have one more a thing to add on this. I think what happens to us sometimes is the enemy will feed us a lot of lies at once, like maybe 10 different lies. And we'll be able to tell, okay, like eight of those are totally bogus. Or maybe you're really solid with your knowledge of scripture. And maybe there's parts of your identity that are really intact. And so you hear those 10 lies and you're like, okay, I know this first eight were totally just stupid. I know those aren't true. But those other two, those two out of 10, we kind of let them seep in. And we hear them and then we can almost convince ourselves that because two out of the 10 were right, maybe there is something worth considering in those other eight. Okay, well, you know, it wasn't all wrong. So maybe we do have to take the whole thing and re-examine it and, and process whether or not there's any truth in it. Baloney. Friends, the enemy lies to us, period. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Those aren't mamsy-pamsy words that the Bible uses about what the devil's job is. Steal, kill, and destroy. 
Okay, if I told you that there was a murderer, (laughs) a a, a criminal, a, a convicted criminal coming to your house to give you some advice, okay, and you knew that his objective was to steal, kill, and destroy, like how much of his advice would you listen to? I would hope very little. I would hope you wouldn't let him in your house. Friends, that's how you need to feel about the enemy and those lies that he whispers to you. Okay, so I could go on and on about this for a really long time, and maybe in another episode, I will. Um, Maybe we'll revisit this topic again. But for today, I want to end us with a prayer, like I promised. And this is a prayer that is taken from Neil Anderson's materials. So this is not an original prayer, although I'm going to add a couple pieces to it just to make it relate a little bit more to our body image and comparison issues. But again, this is Freedom in Christ material uh, from Neil Anderson. And we're just going to pray a prayer for breaking free from the spirit of fear, okay? And so it goes like this. Don't close your eyes if you're driving, but pray with me. Pray out loud if you can. I think confessing God's word and God's truth out loud is so helpful for us to do. So go ahead and pray it out loud if you feel so led. The prayer goes like this. Heavenly Father, I repent for not trusting you and for allowing the spirit of fear to operate in my life. I repent and renounce the stronghold of fear and its manifestations and its fruits. I renounce a spirit of fear and I renounce a critical spirit, untrusting, doubt, worry, and unbelief. I renounce the fear of relationships. I renounce the fear of what other people think of me. I renounce the fear of what I think of me, the fear of rejection, rape, molestation, the fear of saying no, fear of authorities, fear of failures, perfectionism, fear of not being good enough, fear of hurts, people, unhealthy fear of God even. Spirit of fear, you are not my comforter. You are not my friend, nor my protector. And I renounce you and I break your hold on my life from this day forward. Amen. So I'm going to leave you with this thought. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So funny thing, growing up, every time we were afraid, my mom or my dad would quote this verse to us. And so I had to say this verse a lot as a kid. But today, they asked us the question like this. Are you operating out of a place of power, love, and a sound mind? I think some translations translate sound mind as discipline. But are you operating out of that place? Because if you're not, then maybe you're operating out of fear. Friends, that was convicting for me, and I hope you'll take that question to heart. And if fear is something that you struggle with, maybe listen to this episode again or share it with a friend because I know so many women, we get stuck struggling with fear. And I think God's will is for us to be free and to live free in him. So I'm not going to end today with a question, but I can't wait to tackle your questions in future episodes. So go ahead and send them. Thanks for listening to another episode of Compared to Who. Hope to catch you in the next episode. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. 
I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.